Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Five o'clock hour, you heard at Nova Home Loan Studios. Adam Hill is here, Cofield, Angel alongside, back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So we were just talking to gambling expert Sam Paniotovich about the Masters, and uh, I haven't seen a final handle, so we'll, we'll uh, hopefully we can confirm, uh, you know, just how big the number was, or roughly, with uh, our sportsbook guys when we get them on on Wednesday and Thursday, our sportsbook fellows here in Nevada. So it was a betting frenzy, it seemed like it. There was a lot of buzz on social media. You said you basically followed Sunday's action, or uh, was Saturday's action, whatever, um, on social media. It must have done pretty well from a rating standpoint, or did the Masters get caught in the same net that everyone is caught in, and ratings are going down everywhere? Doesn't matter if you're woke or not. Well, I feel like uh, one of the one of the things about ratings and numbers, and one of the reasons I like I, I'm interested in following them sometimes, but um, I've had a lot of debates with you know editors of mine in the past about whether we should write about ratings and cover them uh, because you can make them what you want. Of course, so you could say. Wow, big week for the Masters. Highest ratings for any round of televised golf since 2019. Oh, wow. Because I'm reading uh, that the Masters ratings were at a 28-year low. So which one is it? That's exactly right. Yeah. Both those things are true. But do you want to put a positive spin or a negative spin on it? Right. And that's how that's how you uh, kind of determine uh, how, you, how you cover this and what context you put it in. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it was for a Masters. Very, very disappointing. So, uh, so they were up from the bizarro November placement, which is during football season, and much more, yeah, much more viewed than but any than any other tournament, right. even pandemic tournaments, which were getting pretty good numbers. Right. It's the best that they've done in two years, but uh, twenty eight year not low. great, and uh, definitely we've seen a trend. There's one huge factor: it's Tiger Woods. Yeah. When you go back and look over the years of when they've had good ratings, when they've had bad ratings, it's when Tiger Woods is playing. Their best ratings are when he's in contention. Uh, their worst ratings are when he doesn't play at all. Uh, that is a big factor. And then going back historically, uh, a another major determining factor beyond just Tiger is how close the tournament is. And in this case, with Matsuyama having a four-stroke lead and really no drama until you know one stretch of a tee shot or a, a putt followed by a tee shot, except for that, it was really boring because nobody was anywhere close. So we just told you why waiting, uh, ratings, ratings are generally bullcrap anyway. But if you want to use ratings as the end-all be-all, then you need to stop, get woke, go broke for sports because there ain't no less woke sport than golf. So what are, are people offended by what? Yeah. Well, it's in Georgia. Oh, so there's the other side. Yeah. Which, by the way, we never talk about the other side in these issues when people are like, I'm not watching the NFL anymore. Well, there might be three people in line waiting to take your spot. So yeah. you don't determine the viewing habits of every person out there. No, definitely not. Number four. You cover so many sports. I, I feel like you can't cover college basketball like you used to. Do you, do you have any idea what the hell is going on right now with the portal? Not really. Because it got up to 1,300 players, and then you started seeing a slew of players 
deciding, and I'm like, okay, it's going to slowly go down. And then players keep jumping in. There is so much action in this thing. It's it's crazy. Uh, UNLV, now Mbake Jong is in. So that's nine players total have jumped in. Several have come out. Are you surprised that Mbake is going to look at the NBA? And uh, if that doesn't work out in terms of getting drafted, based on what he's told, he's in the portal. My guess is he's going to be moving on somewhere else for his final year. He wants to play in the NCAA tournament. He did say that. Uh, which I, I love that honesty. Sure. Uh, and maybe... You know, the same people who were hating on Bryce Hamilton a couple of days ago were like, oh, you don't want to be here, get out. Like, I, come on, are you going to badmouth Mbake Jong and all that he went through in terms of coaching changes and having to make a decision to recommit over and over again? Frankly, the guy got cheated a little bit at the beginning of his career because he should have been a redshirt. Sure. Uh, I, Marvin Menzies' teams early on, he got, such, he got dealt such a crappy hand because of the coaching debacle with the Rice firing and then, you know, seven guys hired, not make, taking the job, offer, whatever. Um, that the the roster was just nothing. Yeah, I, I think the you know the thing with uh, Bakke in particular, like yeah, you understand he wants to go play for an NCAA tournament makes sense. Is it surprising that he's transferring? Not necessarily for all those reasons. Like if you're going to get an extra season, um, as you said, he's going to explore professional basketball. But I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to transfer somewhere else and play. I think he's going to stay in college right. uh, and play another season. Um, so I, I don't think on the surface it's surprising. There is a surprising element in that, as you kind of alluded to, there's been no better soldier oh, than yeah. Bakke Zhang for UNLV. Yeah. Through all the trials and tribulations and the injuries and, and the battles and the critiques that he couldn't even catch the ball and, and all the other things that he's been through, like he's just stayed and, and been a loyal soldier. And so it's a little bit surprising that he would be like, all right, that's enough. I'm done. I've seen enough. But he's earned it. He deserves it. And if he wants to go play in the NCAA tournament and doesn't think it's going to happen here, then go right ahead. Were you at his senior night? Yeah. It was, it was weird. Do, do you remember what happened after the – it was Chet Buchanan, right? right? So Chet was filling in for Dick Calvert. And Chet, like, went out of his way to make this proclamation that – well, he was kind of – it was like a hint, hint. Where he's like, oh, you know, final year, or is it? I, I'll have to go back and pull the audio, but Chet was very convinced at the time that Mbake would be around for another year. And it's like, but I don't think he knew that, and most people didn't. It wasn't a certainty that Otzelberger wouldn't be around. So he'd have to be committing to a third head coach. Uh, but I just think back to that, like, yeah, he's going to be around as a super senior. Probably not now. Good That's how much things change in college basketball. And I thought senior nights were weird all around the country. They too, were totally the bizarre. Reason, like... I hate. I hated them. So silly, because how many how many people that that'd be great to do a little a little list compile a list of how many folks went through senior night and they're gonna have a senior year somewhere else and a super an, senior uh, year somewhere else have two senior nights at two different schools <laughs> some records all the, all that outpouring great. of emotion and oh uh, yeah thanks thanks so much but the bottom line with Jong is he did spend four years here he worked himself into a pretty good player but I'll use you know I'll say the same exact thing I said about Bryce Hamilton I don't know what the UNLV roster is gonna look like. This coming year, but if you know iron sharpens iron, uh, Bryce Hamilton. I said the other day he has, gets a chance to go to a Power Five and you know go to Kentucky and you get to practice against guys of that level. You do it. I mean, think about Mbake in practice this last year. He's sharpening his skills against Eduardo Delcadia and Jalen Martinez. Delcadia is a really scrappy defender. You get my point, right? Sure. Donovan Yap left the program. The notion was, well, he can't play at UNLV. Go to a JC. No, he's transferred, uh, I would say, laterally right now to Fresno State. 
what they want him i just love that that narrative yeah he sucked why would you want him uh young player still developing he could be really good i can't wait to see what kevin kruger and company pull out of the portal from here because they got to get some impact guys the rest of the conference is loading up not yap to fresno state that's more of a developmental situation and uh and donovan will have time to develop there um because they have some good, you know, and he'll get good guys to practice against here. They have big, you know, strong guards who all transferred in. Most of them transferred in. San Diego State got Matt Bradley from Cal. That's a good get. That's an 18-point-per-game yeah. score, you know, at a program that wasn't great, but it's in the Pac-12. Uh, we got to see him a couple of years ago when UNLV went up there, and uh, he didn't have a great game, but uh, he was good down the stretch. And that game, I believe, went to overtime, and the Rebels just kind of, you know, they kind of faded a little bit in overtime. But big, strong kid. Like, it just... It's just funny. He just seems to blend like smart guy, unselfish dude, but can score, good shooter. Just like, hey, we lost Matt Mitchell, who's you know this big strong dude, veteran. Eh, let's go get Bradley. They just keep reloading every year. That's what they do, and uh, they figure out a way. You know, they used to build their program with a lot of freshmen that that built up, and then they kind of transferred over and started uh, going the transfer transferred over. They, they they switched their philosophy, started going the transfer route a lot more, and they've had a lot of success with transfers that have been impact players right away and i would i would expect that he is too number three all right so we're talking vaccinations we got a big story out of buffalo that's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the country reacts to this and if there's any finality to what uh, an erie county official had to say well i'll just get to the story uh an erie county official said sabers and bills games in the fall we want 100 percent attendance everyone there has to be vaccinated you have to show proof of the vaccine and he said, uh, just like we have rules, you know, you can't bring open containers in. You can't smoke in the stadium. If you do so, you're tossed. This is no different. And he said, it's not a God-given right to go to football games. Hello. So laying down the gauntlet. Doesn't mean it's going to hold, but Buffalo is going to freaking explode over that. And now I think this is going to be a debate in every city. Like, wait, is that going to be the deal here? We all have to get vaccinated to go to our NFL games? Hopefully. And the the Erie and the 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 Erie commissioner was saying he's like we own the stadium, yeah, they do. They ain't they, the bills. They have that that authority. Now again, this is not this is not an announcement of official, not an announcement of an official policy. This is his belief is that it's how it should be, and that's what they're working toward. We'll see what it ends up being in the end. And of course, there is um, you know religious or medical exemptions, uh, even though it says they must be bona fide and verified. Uh, so that it's not really going to just let people say, "Hey, I don't, I don't need one." My doctor said I don't have to have one. Doesn't really fly. You're gonna have to have a real excuse. I've got asthma. Yeah, <laughs> to get out of this. So dumb. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I am in support of this. Uh, I think if you want to go to the game, you want to be hanging out in public, you want to be around other people, you get the vaccine, and I'm totally supportive. If you don't, I mean, I'll call you an idiot and a moron because I think the, I think I'm are. totally supportive, but I'll call I, you I'm, a moron. But I'm supportive of your decision. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm supportive of a lot of things that I don't agree with. I'm supportive of like Alex Jones being allowed to be on radio, even though he's dangerous and awful. And you know, I think borderline criminal and things he says, he should be allowed to be on radio. I think you, you should be allowed to not get the vaccine, even though I think you're an idiot and a moron and selfish for not doing it. Supportive of that. Right. But you then don't have the right to do everything that everybody else does. Number two. Is Russell Wilson on edge about the vaccine? No, he's like in. One Josh Allen or he's in? He's all in. And what's what's he doing aside from saying he's in? That's my quarterback. You love Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson. He's pro-vax. Uh, Russell Wilson will co-host 
a special on NBC called Roll Up Your Sleeves. It's a vaccination special. Oh, I get it now. I get it. To, yeah, so we can get the shot on the arm. Sure. Roll up your sleeve. Uh, first of all, how about wear short sleeve shirts to the vaccination? Yeah, the rolling, the rolling, I saw people doing like this. short sleeve shirts or muscle shirts, or you're talking where people in there with button like button down shirts, yeah, the whole sleeve, sleeve. yeah, you gotta, and they're trying to like max the, the whole, sleeve, like try to get the sleeve over the gun. I saw hoodies. Ah, yeah, just on. give me a t-shirt. Hoodies? Who's wearing a hoodie? It's I warm. Saw I saw them. Well, I went early on. It was a little bit chillier. It was a little chilly. A little early, bite in the morning. An early. That's vaxxer. right. You did get out before anyone. Else. An early vaxer. Yes. Uh, so so yeah, I think. Uh, not I think he will be hosting this uh, with his wife Ciara and President Joe Biden hosting this vaccination special to encourage people to get out there, get vaccinated, get their appointments. Uh, basically saying, hey, listen, we are at a point now where there's enough vaccines where everybody can have uh, an appointment where everybody is eligible to get vaccinated. So let's go out and do it. And uh, Russell Wilson doing his part to convince people, unlike other brain dead idiot quarterbacks in the Northeast. Well, that's good. Finally, President Biden is going to do something. Number one. Breaking news. Uh, Governor Sisolak here in Nevada expects every county in the state to be able to fully reopen 100% capacity June 1st. Yeah, there we go. It's coming up. I, I, I thought, I mean, I think that they're handing over authority to local jurisdictions May 1st. Uh, but yeah, fully open by June 1st would be very nice. Again, we're, we're close to that point now where everybody can get vaccinated that wants to. So today we, in the NFL, we had the Seahawks and the Broncos, and now the Buccaneers all release statements, the players, NFL Players Association, but the players in those teams saying basically, we're not cool going to voluntary minicamp uh, in person. It should be virtual. Uh, we don't feel safe. We still have COVID concerns. So this is in conjunction with our governor and many governors saying, you know what, in the next six weeks, it's safe. Interesting. Yeah, and, and I do think there's an element of the uh, the players not wanting to go to to the off-season activities. Uh, multiple elements. One, they think it worked out last year. They think it worked out better last year. That they were able to kind of work out on their own and get ready on their own and prepare at their own pace how they needed to and, and hold each other accountable through Zooms and other platforms for, for making sure they were in shape and ready to go. Uh, but I, So I think they, they feel it worked out better. But at the same time, they also are looking at this as you're going to make us play 17 games? Okay. All right. That's fine. But our off seasons are going to get a little bit longer. And we're not going to have to come in and report to camp and do all those things. So I think there's part of that, too, uh, that is involved in this. They are using COVID concerns, I believe, as you know, a way to uh, stretch out this, you know, at least for one more year. This, uh, this is not having to report the to the facility during the summer. And I'm sure they're going to use it to not have to talk to the media after games. I'm sure that's already on the docket and on the horizon for, for them to try to pull this year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think we are getting to that point uh, where we could start to not think about. We can actually start to reopen some things because it's getting safer. As more and more people are getting those shots. We're over half the country now that at least has one. Do you think the Raiders players will follow the Broncos, the Seahawks, and the Buccaneers and say, yeah, no thank you on the, the voluntary workouts? According to uh, Vinny B, our host over on Raider Nation Radio 920. He said, according to a person with knowledge of the situation, Raiders players will meet Wednesday to, quote, get a feel for where everyone's at. I do believe they're going to join this. Um, I think all teams will. Like, this is not the teams deciding on their own. This is an NFLPA recommendation. Right. Uh, so I think they will follow the union and, and, and do the same thing. 
Um, I know that I, I saw already some, you know, silly comments on Twitter, and I can't really find them again. But you know, they just kind of scroll through from random people that are like, "Raiders wouldn't do that. They care too much. That's what the Raiders do." Like, it's first of all, every team cares. Every player is passionate. Not everyone. Most players are passionate about what they're doing. Uh, but this is this is a you know a labor thing. This is a, this is your union thing. And following what the union says, and uh, in this case, like they feel like they're standing on firm ground, and that's what they're going to do. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a couple of NFL guys. Our regular on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Mark McMillan, who played in the National Football League, and one of his uh, SoCal buddies, a guy who played actually at USC, Chris Hale, who reached the NFL as a little guy, fellow little guy like Mark McMillan, and. Uh, We'll talk some USC football and also get their take on the horrific happenings of the last couple of days in Minneapolis. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Today's conversation with Mark McMillan is presented by Weed Cellars. Hit WeedCellars.com for the best in wine, bourbon, and beer. We get the check in with Mark McMillan, our uh, football insider. Lots of good stuff coming up with a special guest as uh, Mark always brings in one of his NFL friends. What's going on today, Mark? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I, I'm, I'm honored to have my my big brother. I call him my big brother, Chris Hale. He's also a California guy as well uh, on the show today. USC Trojan alum, uh, Buffalo Bills appeared in the Super Bowl as well. So thank you for being a part of our show today, uh, Chris Hale. Just following your career, uh, obviously we both went to the same junior college in California and uh, was pretty much tutelaged. And I, w- I would probably think you would say the same about Coach Secuto, who was uh, like a father figure to us. Uh, what was it like growing up in California? Obviously you're a, a two-sport athlete as well. What were some of your ambitions and what was your drive uh, growing up uh, in California? You know, what happened to us is just the fact that Everybody just kept telling us no because of our size. And everybody kept telling us you'd never make it. We just kind of grew up with this chip on our shoulder that that we were going to do what everybody told us we, we couldn't do. And so I, just like you, aspired uh, uh, to be that pro football player. And the one story that, uh, you know, I always tell about uh, our situation or my situation is the fact that I was uh, at Monrovia High School. So I was in the San Gabriel Valley where I grew up and you I know in the other valley. Uh, and uh, we, uh, there was uh, a recruit or a scout that came from New Mexico State, and he was recruiting a lot of uh, my other buddies on the same football team, and we were very good in high school. We were, you know, a 10-0 team going into uh, CIF, and he said, and I said, I led the conference in interceptions, and he said, um, well, it's probably because of the rush that you had, you know, the guys <laughs> up front, and so... That kind of, you know, uh, one of the stories that kind of fed the fire and, and, you know, I just threw a log on. And so that was always the ambition is, 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 you know, not just the fact that we wanted to play pro football and be who we were, but prove everybody wrong and, you know, come back one day and say, you know, this is this is kind of what happened. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. What, what, what was your what was your experience like? Obviously, you know, we all want to go to. You know, the big time schools coming out of high school. Um, what was your experience like going through the junior college ranks and, uh, you know, kind of proving everybody wrong that said you were too small to play the game? I sat out a, a year and, and my dad, I know this is long, but it's, it's a pretty good story. So I started working with my dad. My dad's a cement mason, right? So we burst, busting out driveways, putting up brick walls. 
after a year, I said, I ain't doing this no more. I'm going back to school. So I called up Coach Sakudo said, I, you know what? I'm coming back. He says, but understand, we have two other guys that have earned their way. They've been in the mm-hmm. program for three years now. They've earned their way to play. I said, Coach, no problem. Because I'm not thinking that football is my way at this point. So I said, let them play. Three games in the season, those two were switching off, and I was playing. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had had, I don't know, seven or eight interceptions or whatever on the year. It was close to leading the nation and the whole thing. I, if I were to go back and talk about how I was treated from start to finish with the ju- in the junior college experience, it's probably the most professional experience that I've ever had in, in football. Uh, they were sharp guys. Uh, there's nothing bad I could say about the program at Glendale. Getting a scholarship to USC, what was that like? Uh, one of the prestigious programs that I pretty much think everybody in California grows up. You either want to go to USC yeah. or UCLA, but most of the guys that I know, we're not we're not USC UCLA material. You know, right, wait, right, right. Yeah. So here's where <laughs> you come in, right? Here's in Cofield. Here's the story where where uh, Mark comes in, and and so when when I got recruited at USC, USC had just fired uh, Ted Tolner and all their staff. And they were recruiting me at USC. And so then enters Larry Smith and his staff at USC. And so what happens is, well, I had uh, went, you know, on all the recruiting trips, Georgia, Texas A&M, so on and so forth. So I would, my mom was destined for me to go to the SEC. She wanted me to go to Georgia. The athletic director at the time started uh, recruiting, re-recruiting, and he said, you have to have these guys. You have a lot of holes to fill. USC had just come off of probation in 1986. So they really didn't want me. And so the athletic director actually convinced them. And so um, the coach at the time, and his name was Bobby April, and Bobby's still running around the NFL, you yep, know, even yep. now. And Bobby said, and Bobby said, um, you know, generally, you know, coming from Arizona, we don't take small uh, defensive backs. We don't really want them. Once I got there, and I started learning the system, you know, and the way they, they ran things. And, you know, I, you know, of course, you know, you have your ups and downs when you first, you know, get into an organization. Um, they, they still weren't high on me. They, uh, Coach Smith was not sure I was going to be able to make tackles. He wasn't sure I was going to make, be able to make tackles on guard big receivers or tackle guys, you know, coming out of the backfield. Or, you know, just, just the overall size thing really bothered him until – the middle of the season. And so this is why they weren't recruiting you. And I said, this is how they are. This is how they treated me the Mm. whole time. By the end of like the fourth week, I had six interceptions and I was leading the nation. And all of a sudden coach Sakudo called me and said, USC is now thinking about picking up Mark McMillan. (laughs) I said, I said, I said, it it might be too late. What happens is, you know, you want them to come to you. You know, you want them, you want to be wanted, especially when you're young. You're, you know, you're 19 years old and you want to be wanted by the team. You don't want to be a second class person. I mean, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, USC was my worst recruiting trip. Well, it all worked out in the end as Chris had an amazing career at USC, including his senior year when uh, the Trojans started out 10 and 0. Chris will stick around, and so will Mark McMillan as we continue the conversation. For the best in wine, bourbon, and beer, visit WeedCellars.com. That's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Mark McMillan on ESPN Las Vegas is brought to you by Weed Cellars. Hit WeedCellars.com for an outrageous selection of wine, bourbon, and beer. And make sure to ask for Weed Cellars at your liquor and grocery store. 
Back here on Cofield and Company, Mark McMillan, Football Insider, is with us. His friend Chris Hale, who played at USC and with the Buffalo Bills alongside as well. Guys, I really got to get your take on what's going on in Minneapolis. And Chris, let's go back to what we were talking about just a couple minutes ago when uh, you were taking visits to the South. You know, Georgia, Texas A&M. How much did you process the difference in terms of culture and attitude around African-Americans back then? And how does that have you thinking right now about what's going down in Minneapolis? Yeah, yeah, no, I, it, you know, it's a tragedy. And, and um, uh, I'll say yes to the thought of going to the South, because even, you know, we're talking about the early 80s. In the early 80s, it, it would have been very, very difficult for me to get down to the South. I knew the mentality, you know, and obviously if you uh, talk to anybody from the, the South, the mentality is still the same. I, I think for the most part that the training for this situation and the vetting for these guys in these situations to be police officers is flawed. And I think that's probably the point in which we need to change these things. Yeah, I echo those same uh, thoughts uh, as, uh, you know, Chris. Obviously, you know, Steve, we, we hit on everything. And that's one I always give you kudos for allowing me to have this platform to be able to enlighten a lot of people and, and share from my point of view of how we feel and how we're being treated. And this morning, uh, I, I, I'll be honest, I actually started crying. Um, just thinking about uh, the incidents in, in Minnesota is like, man, because I have an African-American son, you know, I have an African-American daughter and I, it, it could be them easily. And, and, and it's scary. And I, I, it seemed like I was saying the same stuff, I, you know, months ago when, when all that stuff broke out. And, if, you know, coming from California, going to integrated schools, you know, it was no big deal for me to go to school with uh, white white kids or Mexican kids or you know Chinese, so it, it was no big deal. But going down south, uh, like you know, I said before when I took my recruiting trip with uh, a lot of guys from California, there was Leonard Russell, uh, Chris Mims, uh, Bernard Daphne. You know, some of those guys have passed away, but you know, we were called the N word at, at a bar, which for us was like we've never, you know, in California, you just don't really hear that as much as you do down south, and, and it was actually a brawl. And, you know, from that day, uh, we had that brawl and the police came and they found out who we were and they actually let us go. But the, but just just hearing that word and seeing the, you know, some big hillbilly dudes, you know, and we were just dancing on the floor and their girlfriend, you know, white girls, they came dancing with us and those guys didn't like it. And, you know, it, it, it got it, it got physical, you know, it got physical. And, you know, those uh, Bernard Daphne, Leonard Russell, uh uh, Chris Mims, those guys said that night, they're like, you know, we don't even need to go see the coach tomorrow. I said, there's no way we're coming to Alabama. And I was like, man, I was like saying to myself, like, but I like it here. You know what I'm saying? This is a big time program. You know, at the time, you know, Derek Thomas is there. He was my my, my recruiting guy. Uh, Carnelius Bennett was there. You know, they used to come back, Bobby Humphrey. Uh, so I felt comfortable uh, being in that situation. But going to school in Alabama, man, it was – we had a lot of fights. There was a lot of racial uh, issues that went on. Um, I remember at Halloween, the white fraternities, they, they dressed up like rappers. They had gold chains. The white females, they, were, they had uh, weave in their hair and they were pregnant. Those were their costumes. So they were emulating just like, you know, this is what the black people are. And we actually had a protest and we walked down uh, fraternity row, you know, the football team, the basketball team. Uh, Jesse Jackson came down. You know, this is a story I never really shared, but it was really tense. Like, it, you know, there's a 
like thousands of white people on one side, you know, both sides of the street. And we're marching down frat row just trying to show our support. Like, you just can't do that. Like, and, you know, of course, they came with the apology. We didn't know. You know, that, that's a bunch of bull crap. And, you know, seeing things still happening today, um, it, 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 I don't know, man. It, it, I even told my wife, I said, I would not be shocked if the police in Minnesota get off. I would not be shocked. And we're come to that point that we're kind of getting numb to the situation that, okay, here we go. Here's another tragedy. Here's another shooting. Uh, what's going to happen? They're going to riot. Then people's like, why are they tearing up their cities? We are freaking tired. Like, how many times can we express that we need help? They need to change a lot of things in the police reform. Laws need to be changed. People need to be held accountable for their actions. Uh, you know, it, it just sucks, man. People are losing their lives. And it's on tape. Can you yeah. imagine all the people that's getting killed that's not getting filmed that we know yeah. nothing about? You know, as, as a father with, uh, you know, kids, and obviously I train kids, and I have to have the same conversation with a lot of these kids that I train to be mindful of where you're at. You know, make sure you always have your cell phone on you. You know, you, you can't be caught in a situation after dark. You look at the lieutenant that was pulled over the other day by the cops, and they just... You know, it's like, well, why didn't he stop in a rural area? If he would have stopped in that area, there's no question they would have killed that man. So he drove to a lighted area, you know, that was lit up. And you still see what happened. They made him like yeah. he was just like a regular citizen. Here's a man that serves our country and tries to protect us. And they just treated him like he was. It's, it's screwed up, man. I can't say the, the, the F word, but we're screwed up, man, as, as a country. And people just think that we just got it all made over here. It, it sucks being an African-American man, uh, you know, when you have to worry about your kids uh, being racial profiled just because of the color of their skin. Yeah, what's going on is terrible. And like, and like Mark said, you don't want to get to a point where you're desensitized and you just feel like it's going to be the same old cycle and then it's going to happen four months from now. So everyone out there who I, who can't see the problem, I, I just don't see how you're missing it. It's uh, it's tragic. It's it's freaking gross. Chris, what are you doing? We're, we're up against it here. Uh, what's going on in your life lately? <laughs> I'm actually working for a real estate company down in Orange County, California. I have a ton of fun and I make a, a pretty good living. Still probably can't beat Mark, uh, and, uh, but I bring in a lot of my pro guys to come and play. <laughs> and at go. some point, I'm going to get down to Arizona and, and me and Mark are going to chop it up. And I'm going to grill. The only thing I can I can uh, uh, promote is me and, and Mark in a, in a grilling competition, and I know I'm going to lose. <laughs> I thought you were talking trash. I'm like, be careful. No, no, no. I can't throw. handle him. I've been watching him. I can't handle him. <laughs> I'm not ready for him yet. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was uh, that was awesome. I really appreciate your opinions on uh, really important stories. And, and Chris, we got to do this again. We'll uh, we'll talk NFL next time you're on. You got it. Thanks, Marky. All right, there he is, Chris Hale, former NFL player, played at USC, and good stuff, Mark, on what's going on in in Minnesota. Mark, you've got your charity golf deal coming up, right? Actually, I play tomorrow. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm playing tomorrow. The uh, you know the MGM uh, Pro Am uh, on the Corn uh, Ferry Tour. So I'll, I'll tee it up tomorrow. I know uh, King Griffey Jr. is uh, one of the players. Uh, Lon Kruger, you know, the former Rebel coach, he's, he's one of the players that's going to be out there as well. Um, I, I'm teamed up with a, with a young guy. I guess he's supposed to be the next great guy to be on tour. So I, I'm excited, man. And thank you for, you know, for you guys and everybody that tweeted out. I was able to raise over $4,500 uh, for the Nevada Junior Golf Association. So I, I'm excited about that. We start off at 1500 and I'm thinking like, man, do I still got some fans out there that want to, you know, hang out with your boy? I was a little nervous. 
but it just you know it, it just skyrocketed over the next couple of days. So I raised forty five hundred dollars. Uh, that would be going back to the uh, to the foundation. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, I'll be out there this weekend, uh, you know, at the Paiute uh, golf uh, course, checking out some of the pros as well. Um, you know, if people want to come out, you can come out this weekend as well and check those guys out. But tomorrow I'm teeing it up, man. I'm, I'm going to be a little nervous. Yeah. I'll be, good, good thing they're just, I don't think they're going to be fans, so I ain't got to worry about hitting nobody off the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark McMillan's with us. The spot's brought to you by Weed Sellers. Go up online, Weed Sellers, C E L L A R S dot com. No cannabis, no CBD in there, but Weed Sellers is the brand of uh, wine and bourbon and beer. I feel like you're starting to develop this, this brand of your own. Uh, kind of a whole barbecue and bourbon angle. So what are you running with here? It's just taking off like wildfire. You know, I got my new gear that's coming out, you know, barbecue, bourbon, and barbells. Uh, teamed up with my guys out in uh, Arizona, you know, who they run a, a, a fitness-type atmosphere. They, you know, guys from, you know, former uh, Army, veterans, Navy, you know, females. Like, you know, you, you work hard, you train, whatever you do, try to be the best at, you, at what you can. So you earn yourself a nice little cocktail after the end of your workout. So... It's it, it's growing, man. So I'm excited about the the branding. Uh, my shirts will be out uh, this week, and I know there's a lot of you know guys that like to grill. There's guys that like to lift weights, and there's a ton of people out there that like to drink bourbon. So I'm it's a whole new ball game for me, man. So I'm excited. I gotta make sure I give you a a barbecue bourbon and barbell shirt too, man. I don't know about the barbell part, but I know you can barbecue. Yeah, the barbell. I'm you know I have an allergy. <laughs> Oh, man, we'll, we'll get you some gear, man. Hopefully, you know, that, that'll motivate you. When you see that shirt, you'll be like, okay, I can have some barbecue, but I got to work and I got to earn it. So, man. you know, it, it's, it's a great deal, man. So I definitely appreciate you guys supporting me. Uh, like I said, we started off, you know, with the idea of what, like maybe a year and a half ago, and now it's, you know, really taking off. So I, I'm excited, man. I, I can't wait for the football season to start so we can actually have tailgates. Can you imagine that? Steve Cofield, Mark McMillan grilling in the parking lot before a Raider game? You know what's crazy? Because that is an awesome idea. But you know what's crazy? Is how much life changed the last year. And just starting to go out a little bit, like how much you took that for granted. And I have like a real appreciation for just being able to do things. I was, you know, I've gone out to UNLV football practice, the spring practice on multiple occasions. And just being like around the player because last year was ridiculous everything was yeah. because of the distancing but just seeing guys you know cracking pads having fun you know mm-hmm. helmets off uh still being safe but it's just like everything's starting to come back and it feels good yeah we were at the uh, uh at the parents party last night at the mgm park and everybody was just you can just tell on, the, on everybody's faces even the people that were serving the food and the drinks it was just good to see them laugh and, and see them have a good time because it, it was rough. You know, it, it's still rough on a lot of people here in Vegas, you know, with, with being laid off. And, you know, a lot of people behind the scenes that really don't get the recognition. Uh, the staff at the MGM Park was amazing. And, you know, uh, just to see the young ladies and young men smiling and just just feeling comfortable. Uh, even me and, you know, me and my boys that hung out, we were like, man, this is really nice. We're just outside. And, you know, it's not like there's a lot of stuff going on, but we're just outside enjoying, uh, you know, a glass of adult wine <laughs> and, you know, and, and some nice little food. And it was like it was it was good. So, um, you know, it, I'm excited for, you know, things to come. Obviously, you know, me and you, we, we love football. We love sports. Um, I can't wait for the guys to get back at it just to be on the sidelines and reporting and, you know, with the recruiting process. 
you know, I, I'm excited for what we have going on, but we still got to, you know, do better as, as a country, as a nation, because we got a lot of issues that we're dealing with still today. No doubt. Important times. Mark, I appreciate the spot today. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? I appreciate it. Make sure you guys get that career, get that gear at GorillaMcMillan.com, baby. There he is, Mark McMillan, our NFL insider. Mark will be around next week to help us with the coverage of the NFL draft. Speaking of that, get up to LVSportsNetwork.com right now. We've got our Drafting for Dough contest, ESPN Las Vegas, with the help of Nova Home Loans, giving away $1,000 in cash and a $250 gift card to the Raiders Image Store. All you got to do is make the right picks. For day one of the draft, you go to LVSportsNetwork.com and pick your first 17 draft choices. If you're the most accurate, you can win $1,000 in cash and that $250 gift card to the Raiders Image Store. Thanks to Nova Home Loans for partnering with us on this one. Give them a call. Get that mortgage tune-up, 877-700-NOVA. Picks have to be in by next Wednesday, April 28th. Again, it's LVSportsNetwork.com. It's our Drafting for Doe free NFL Draft Contest, a chance to win over $1,000 in prizes. Mark McMillan on ESPN Las Vegas is brought to you by Weed Cellars. Hit WeedCellars.com for an outrageous selection of wine, bourbon, and beer. And make sure to ask for Weed Cellars at your liquor and grocery store. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So I have to get this straight, Adam. You're a Warriors fan, but I feel like you're only rooting for like the new Warriors since they're not good. Is Steph Curry, is he in your Warrior fandom? I guess he kind of has to be, right? Well, we signed him this year. We, okay. Yeah, we got him this year. I, I As a Warriors fan, you know, I, the guys last year were my guys. Uh, this year we had some, you know, some new guys come along. The Steph Curry guy is pretty good. I think he's gonna he's gonna have a future. Did you watch the game last night? Uh, I did. Big celebration. Uh, parts of it, not all of it. I watched all the way through. Uh, I did get to see the disaster of Jamal Murray at the end of the game on the other side. But um, yeah, it was a, a good effort by this kid. I, I have a lot of hope for him. He's the all-time leading scorer in Warriors history. Probably surprises people when you're like he passed Wilt. Well, it wasn't with the Warriors his whole That was my point. Career. He's also known, you know, for being with the Lakers. He's not going to pa- surpass Late. Wilt's, not going to surpass Wilt's body count. No. No. Unless he's been doing something we don't know about. But Aisha? Is that the wife? Yeah. All right. I always forget her name. I really like the Curry mom. She seems like a really nice yeah, you lady. Like, you like Dell's wife. Yes. Yes. Well, anyway, Steph Curry at 53. Back in there. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I know you guys are fired about this one. Uh, DMX. I was going to say good week, but no, not really. Eh, he passed away. But no. but his legacy is strong, and uh, he had a massive jump in streams. So maybe a lot of people discovering him for the first time, and others remembering, you know, taking, taking themselves back to their... Their childhood, like Ari, like you. I think I'll give. Uh, I think it was Elvie locally that had the tweet this week, and I, I had noticed the same thing. He tweeted it out, or they well, tweeted. Yeah, it what out, did she tweet out? Uh, that um, no matter what stoplight you pulled up into, it pulled up at in Vegas this week, you were hearing DMX, which was absolutely true. Uh, if you pulled up next to me at a stoplight, you definitely did. That's pretty much all I listened to this weekend. Sunroof open, music blaring, your head out of the sunroof because you're too big for your car. Uh, no, 
very spacious car. Um, no, I did. I, I did have. I mean, I had the windows open for sure. If you're listening loud, you got to let everybody else listen to. Is that the way it works? Yeah, I think so. I was never a loud music person. Oh, that's ever. I I mean, I don't know that I've ever had music on in my car where the volume wasn't at max. That's the because you know, the digital thing. It's like it goes with number, 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 and then just max. It's always max. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, I just said I was never a big music person. If Adam and I had to make lists head-to-head, who would have the most I was never or I'm not a big this person? Who has more restrictions and complaints? God, that is a really hard question. I know. I was just thinking, like, all the different things where I'm like, I'm not this kind of person. I'm like, there's like a thousand things. I'm not a big nature person. You could throw me in there, too, by the way. You are incredibly finicky. That's right. Yeah, I'm the worst. What a magical trio. (laughs) Just freaking mopey bums. Manatee and company. Yes. <laughs> That's, that, it actually it would be perfect. Just the just the three manatees. Like you're not hey, you're don't not pull a, me into this. Yeah, I mean you're not a mushy guy, but like we just kind of like mm. what is that a manatee noise? I think it's a uh, just laying around is mm. I'm looking for the drop. Worth three Eeyores. <laughs> yeah, three Eeyores. Thanks for noticing. All right, let's close out on an upbeat uh, note here. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right. Probably not. Yes, yes. Julio White is back. Urkel? And he actually, he didn't pull an exhibit. You saw exhibit got pulled, right? His weed brand? Oh, boy. Napalm? Pimp my weed? No, no. It was he. His, his stuff is named Napalm, and people are like, all right, it's a little, little insensitive. It's, yeah, it's graphic. Julio White, cannabis brand, purple Urkel. I mean, I'm going to say Purple Urkel. Do you think? When Urkel got cool, he was Stefan Urkel. I don't remember that one. Is that right? You didn't, That's like a classic I, episode. What was the name of the show again? Family Matters. I was family. never a big... I was, Hold on, you're stepping on my line. I was never a big Family Matters <laughs> guy. So he got cool. I was never a big Urkel guy. <laughs> Stefan Urkel. Uh, I think this is Purple Urkel. Uh, I'm out. I, no. I, first of all, the the silly names of marijuana is just it's it's so silly. It, it's not necessary. And Adam Hill, not a big silly name weed guy. <laughs> yes. We really should compile a list. It's we would have we'd have like 500 things a piece by the end of the year. 500 a what piece. A slow year. 1500. A slow year. I'm gonna need some time off to get my list going here. Gonna be really gonna be long. time off, guy. It just never ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. He's not. You're right. It's true. Ari's got some days off coming up. That I was thinking, like Ari's not a big time off guy, which is well, it's kind of a positive. Not for him. May want to get healthy, keep the brain functioning. Right. Great job, Ari. We'll see you. Great job, Angel. Thanks to Nova Home Ones.